Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Clearly, things are rough right now around the world, but. We move on, and uh, due to some problems, we were unable to record our regular show in the studio this week. But we did want to present you with something, and with the 10th anniversary of this show, Poker Action Line, coming up next week, we want to take a look back, and we'll look at our 5th anniversary show. Uh, we talked a lot about the beginning of the program and our first five years and talked about some of the interviews that we did. Uh, Joe and I had a fun time that day, and we would like to play that for you. Uh, we hope that you will enjoy this. Uh, everybody's fine that's connected with the show. Nothing uh, with the coronavirus affecting us directly at this point, and we hope that everybody is healthy and safe out there and uh, will continue to play poker. Uh, maybe have to shift to a little more online play for a little bit of time, but uh, we certainly... Hope that everyone is doing well and continues to do well as uh, this scary time will hopefully come and go this year in 2020. Let's go back in uh, time and listen to our fifth anniversary show here on Poker Action Line. And welcome once again, everybody, to Poker Action Line as we uh, round out year number five. I can't believe that, Dave. I thought I'd have gotten a diploma after four years. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, we're still learning. Still plenty to learn here. Uh, we are finishing up uh, the fifth year of this program. We started back in March of 2010, and we started on uh, radio station Man, I, 640 I, Sports. I still remember that early, early morning drive, a 45-mile drive from my house over there. I can't, what time did we used to get 9 started? 9 a.m., 9, yeah. 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings. Yeah. We uh, were the humble beginnings of this program. You remember our first... Uh, uh, producer? Ah, what was his name? No, we went through a few while we were over there. It's, uh, Pat O'Connor. Pat, that's right. Uh, PC, and then uh, we also had uh, Jay Johnston, Johnson, and uh, later on we had uh, Michael and uh, a couple other people. Uh, but we were on uh, the radio station for 19 months and then came here to our uh, palatial studios here in uh, Pembroke Pines to work with Gio and Joe. And, and it's uh, been a lot more fun working yeah, over so here. Much, I can, and, and I'm not just saying that because Gio's staring at me, but this has been a lot more fun. Well, I think the big difference is it's not a live show anymore. Now, there's good and bad things to both, obviously. So you mean we won't have Hayden's mom calling us live, calling him <laughs> live on the air? <laughs> that was one of the funnier moments. Uh, Gaten, uh, Hayden Fortini was uh, guesting on the show. And his, his mother said, Called him right in the middle of the yeah, air. He's he like, Mom, I'm on the air. He goes, Mom, Mom, I'm on the air. <laughs> <laughs> that funny. was great. That really was. Uh, we're going to have a little segment from our very first show uh, tonight. And it's not like uh, God, I hate we were ranked hear, beginners. I still hate hearing my own voice on the well, radio. You're going to have to listen because I want Probably you to comment on Probably not as much it. as the, some of the people out there who are saying, we hate it too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been uh, me and Joe for uh, about 260 shows. I guess over the five year period and uh, for the last let's see what would that be that would be the last two and a half years we've been here in, Dave uh, I gotta give show. you a lot of credit because that's how many was it 260 what 260 One? shows 260 basically. give or take my my partner here has only missed one show yep 
He's only missed one show. It was for the Beefo Brady Bowl game in, sometime in December a few years ago. And uh, and I was on most of that one by phone. You know, yeah, you were on yeah. for a while there, and then Randy Casper and I took over, and we even had, but I think that was the first time we had Mark Perlman in as, right, a, as, right. as a co-host with me that night. So. Had several co-hosts of the show uh, that occasionally have filled in for Joe, uh, Steve Karp, uh, Chris Bolick, uh Mark Perlman. Uh, quite a few over the years, and really have added a lot to the program. We thank Michael, all those people. Michael Mowat has Michael Mowat, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Redlocks sat in I one guess, show. Yeah, a few people coming in here. So, and we'll have a few from time to time. Joe is a pretty busy man. I, well, listen, I <laughs> unfortunately this doesn't pay. I'm grateful for it, but it doesn't pay all the bills. So I have to I have to find work Still somewhere have to have else a real sometimes. Job. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll be following some of the tournaments as we always do. Uh, they are out in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area for Bay 101, uh, taking place now on the WPT, and also uh, we'll be following a couple other events. Uh, when we were doing the show last week, we had uh, we had uh, we we're talking about the final table. Um, what was the name of that tournament? <laughs> what with the PPC? Yeah, no the uh, the the uh, World Poker Tour event, uh, uh, the LA Poker Classic. Oh, that's right. That you were talking about Anthony Zinno. We were, a, Sino well, being we were in talking about Anthony Zinno. I think he was third in chips, and uh, we were keeping an eye on that. He won the week before at uh, Fallsview, or actually, I think it was two weeks before, but uh, had a chance to. Uh, win back-to-back tournaments, and he did it. Which just proves... I, how, how often do we see this, Dave? It, it, it's actually... You it's would actually think... the third time that someone has won back-to-back WPT events. Okay. Uh, Carlos Mortensen did it, and Gus Hansen also did it. And I guarantee you, if you look going through and back, that people who do real well in one tournament and then their very next tournament that they enter, you know, you'd be surprised, I think, how... how large that percentage is that they do quite well, maybe even make a final table, and and I just feel that it's the, you're in that zone. We've spoken about it, and uh, it'd be nice if we had Anthony on just to let us know, because yeah, uh, when yeah. back-to-back, that's very important. Well, he's a great guy, and uh, everybody likes him, and uh, he has a lot of respect for the game of poker. He's one of those guys who will wear a suit at the final table. Yeah, he's uh, uh, on TV. Uh, by the way, uh, Gus Hansen and Carlos Mortensen were three-time winners of three titles, not not back-to-back. The two, the players uh, uh, who won back-to-back were Marvin Rettmeyer and Darren Elias. So let me get that straight. But he becomes the third uh, player to win three WPT titles, third player to win back-to-back WPT titles. Uh, he wins at uh, LAPC, winning a million dollars, one million fifteen thousand. Uh, so, big uh, win there. He defeated Mike Leah in head-to-head play. Uh, Leah finishes second again. He finished second here in South Florida to Dan uh, Coleman in the uh, tournament last uh, fall, the uh, the $10 million guaranteed event. He finished second. Uh, he wins 701000 for that. Chris Klotnicki was third. Igor Yaroshevsky fourth. Peter Neff was fifth. And Peter Tran was sixth. 538 players. LAPC, always a big popular event. Start of the the California Swing, and, uh, you know, draws draws all the big players. Obviously, they're playing this week as well. Uh, they're the shooting stars, guys like Eric Seidel, uh, Daniel Negreanu, 
you know, players like that, Doc Sands, Greg Mueller. Uh, but these are the players that are probably down here for South Florida as well, so we look forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> and that will be coming very soon. <laughs> uh, the Bay 101 is a $7,500 buy-in that uh, you were able to re-enter the second day, not on the same day if you wanted to. And they are now in uh, day two up there, so we'll be following that one. In fact, uh, uh, we'll give you the update here. There's seven of the 31 shooting stars left. Seven of the 31? Yeah, they have the group picture here, of course. So Will the Thrill right in the front row with his arm around two chicks, uh, <laughs> Liv Bowie and uh, Lily Coletto. Uh, pretty funny picture. Uh, but the seven shooting stars that are still left, Faraz Jaka, Chris Mormon, Garrett Greer, Mike Leah, still alive, Sorrell Mizzy, James Carroll, Kevin Mathers. And Sorrell, we hadn't heard from Sorrell in a while. Not and, for a while, And yeah. for the last few weeks, he's, he's you know, he's done quite well in, in some tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as the uh, chip counts go, let's see if we can give you that. Uh, Mark Duby is the chip leader. Mark uh, was the one who finished second down here just recently in the Lucky Hearts Open over at the Seminole Hard Rock. He is the chip leader with 565,000 chips. There's 99 players left. Out of 708 entries. Wow. Uh, Mike McLean in second. Brian Rast is third. Carlos Mortensen is fifth currently. That was my boy who needed to make that that final table yeah, a few years, years ago <laughs> for with, me to win that, that fantasy poker. Which was uh, not worth a lot of money. So <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> bragging rights. Just bragging rights. That's all. Looking down the list, uh, Kane Callis uh, still has a nice chip stack over there. Uh, Dan Kelly. Dan O'Brien. Uh, Ryan Julius, Matt Affleck, Byron Caverman on down the list of players with a higher than uh, average chip stack. And uh, some of the players that just recently got knocked include uh, Muckle Pahuja and uh, Mohsin Sharanya from guys who have been on the show with us. Nick Grippo also, he was on the show with us one time. And Marvin Rettenmeyer as well. Kevin Stammen, Mar Matt Stout. Matt Waxman, Matt Salzberg, guys that have just been eliminated. But uh, they are playing it down now to uh, need, the final table uh, later this week. I tell you, we, next time we have one of these guys uh, as a guest on the show, we need to ask them how they feel about being a bounty. Cause I heard I they had a great time with it. They, they really did. They have T-shirts made up with their face on it, which they give to the people, the person who knocks them out. Okay. Uh, that person also wins, in, I think, a $5,000 bounty. Uh, and then they sign the shirt and take a photo with them, and uh, everybody has a good laugh for it. Okay, so they're doing this more for the, uh, you know, for the entertainment yeah, value yeah, and the goodwill of the poker game. Because I kind of imagine it's like a double-edged sword when you're when you have a bounty on you. You're going to probably have people who are going to chase you with weaker hands than they normally would to see if they get lucky, so you can chip up. But then on the other side, when they are chasing you with those weaker hands and get there, you 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 uh, have that danger of being knocked out. So I'm curious as as to how the pros approach that when they're playing in these bounties. If it's just pure entertainment for them and they're not really looking at the seriousness of trying to win the tournament. Yeah, I, well, I think they are trying to win. Obviously, trying to win the tournament. But uh, and I, I don't think it makes it any more difficult. I mean, obviously. When you have that bounty on your head, they might go all in as opposed to just making a big bet and uh, you know not putting their stack at risk. But 
Yeah, they. I guess they they work a little harder to try to take you out. Yeah, I, that's that would be my guess. Like I Which said, might top work in your favor as well. Well, that's yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, if you know that you can get get people to chase you with a much in, you know weaker hand than yours, you're you're going to have a chance to really stack up. But then again, that flip side where you do have them doing the same thing and this time maybe getting lucky on you. So I don't know. I I'm curious to to how that would be. You know, yeah, I, exactly. I you know. Being that I have never been put in that position <laughs> myself. Well, we look forward to a fun show tonight. Uh, we're going to play a little segment from our very first show. Not that it's uh, uh, much different from what we do now, to be honest. Uh, you know, It's not going to be award-winning? Is that no, what you're trying to say? No, <laughs> it's not like we were ranked beginners being on the air. I think uh, it was more of a beginning thing for you. Uh, but hey. you have the personality and the... Uh, and the articulation to handle the, the gig, as you did from the very beginning. And I don't think I've really changed at all in this show. It sounds almost exactly the same to me. Well, uh, let me tell you, you have, listen, you, for, for, for our listeners who don't know this, Dave has done radio before this poker a show. Times. A lot of sports is announced boxing events, so... Uh, I'm, I'm, I am the, the novice to this program that Dave was kind enough to invite to join him. To, so. But what's kind of interesting when you hear it is that we talk about what we would like to do on the show, kind of the goals, and we'll see how close we came, actually, over five years. So hopefully we'll be on another five, another ten. That would be Who nice. Knows? But uh, we'll uh, continue to uh, promote the game of poker. And uh, y- you just look at the, well, you know, at that time, 2010 was before the big tournament action. We had already... Uh, gone from the the very lowly days of quarter fifty cent poker, and of course, uh, years ago, and and uh, moved up, and there was more things happening in the game. But uh, the game th- opened up July first of two thousand ten. We got right, on the air in right. March of two thousand ten. So yeah, it was coming right after that. So we were looking forward to kind of making that transition with the game in Florida, and you were then working still at the uh, at Miami Highline and. And uh, no, actually, Dave, I think you came no, and left. No. Did you go back after that? I left. Well, I left in 2008, and uh, they took me back around the, about two, three weeks after you know the stakes opened up. Uh, on, on back limited, in July back that in, year, yeah. Okay. So I went back to work around the 15th. So when we started the show, you were not working, exactly. but then you were, then you went back. You did uh, the, the running the room at Miami. Yeah, yeah, and then got them ready. Years for the opening of the new casino in 2012. I, I ran the room up until we closed it, which was, I believe, in, in uh, the last days of April um, in 2011. Then we reopened the room in January of 2012, and till, I was there till they, till, till they used it to degrade you like a wet paper towel well, and discard you. Yeah, well, listen, you know, <laughs> I, I the funny part is knowing that you're going to be gone because of the way they're setting everything up. Yeah. Uh, it's very sad to see, but uh, and it's not a consolation to me. But they have been through four different poker room managers since I've left. They're actually on their fifth one since I've left. And I've only been gone a little over two years, and the numbers, well, the numbers have really did, dropped. You consistently did over four hundred thousand. Uh, I Dave, looked at the numbers for uh, January; <laughs> it was one hundred and ninety. Dave, I put a proposal together for them, telling them what they would have to allow me to do to get the numbers, and I promised them that we would be between four and five hundred thousand. Which, at the very beginning part of the of the of our thing, I would, I told them our promotional dollars were going to be a lot higher than the, what they wanted, but. That um, what you call it? That if they gave me time, I would get the promotional dollars down to close to zero, and the numbers would probably only drop by about ten or fifteen percent. 
And actually, I was right on track. The funny part is, I love when they're trying to set you up. Well, let's see your payroll, because your payroll was supposed to be set at 25%. It's 19.4%. Oh, okay. Well, then then your your promotional dollars, well, I explained to you what would happen here, but over the last four months that you're now questioning, the promotional dollars fall well below the percentage that you're allowing me. And, you know, so... When they finally changed all my promotions, that was in September. When I went in for October 1st, look, we're going to change everything up. It was funny. I walked into my into my office, told my assistant, I'll be gone at the end of the month. I go, they're just setting me up for failure. They're not letting me continue yeah. doing what I've done with. And guess what? They really don't care. You know what's sad, Dave? I was at Fort Pierce last week, and with no competition up there, that's one of their other properties. I know they're holding on to it, hoping that they get slots. But really, you, you know, you, you should be generating. That room used to do 400000 when it first opened, and that room should do half a million without a, batting an eye because there's no competition. Right. They're actually playing high lie up there now, aren't they? They were playing high lie, but, oh, my God. I, I, like I said, I, when I got there, they weren't playing the, the day I was there. I was there on a Tuesday. I believe they play more on the weekends now. Right. Thursday through uh, I think Sunday. it's only Friday through Sunday. Oh, yeah. Friday through Sunday, yeah. So I was there on a Tuesday. And it was sad. They had they they had five tables, and all the seats were missing. And every table was missing at least two or three players. By the time I left, twenty five minutes into it, they were down to four tables. Who's in charge of that room up there? Well, Kyle, Kyle is still up there, and uh, oh my God, uh, forgive me. This gentleman was very nice to me, and I can't remember his name now. Kind of assisting there, and he introduced me. He was real nice to me, and I'm I'm sorry I forgot it, but gentlemen's. Uh, I said, well, and he goes, yeah, well, their their promotion was $100 every 45 minutes was their high hand. If you did that down here in Broward, and they, they'd laugh at you. They'd laugh at you. You'd be seeing tumbleweed go through the room. Yeah, <laughs> That's how much of a, uh, how deserted it would be. Okay, well, uh, we will mo- follow along uh, with uh, some of these tournaments and uh, a few other things I want to talk about. The, uh, one of the main things that came out in the last couple of days was uh, the World Series of Poker. They were going to have that online, finish that tournament up with the final two players, and a lot of people, there were people that didn't like the idea of having an online bracelet. There were also people who said, why bother bringing two players back? Well, that's what doesn't make they sense changed to me. It. They're, they're going to bring the entire final table back. Uh, now, that makes a lot more sense to me. That Bring a whole final table back. If you're going to bring anybody back, bring the whole table. Yeah, bring final six table. players will come back. Uh, they'll actually have one day off in between, so it gives people a chance to travel in in case they're in Nevada but not near Vegas. You know? Now, so you now if they really plans. wanted to do this, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, but I remember seeing it at the Hard Rock. And I thought at that time it would be terrible for, for dealers because I said they're going to try to phase out dealers. But they had the electronic poker table that they use on ships now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since this is an online tournament, I'm surprised they don't, they don't use that. They don't use that. Just do it like they do it on these ships. You know, people who travel and cruise play. That's how I've had to play poker on, on cruise ships. Right. So I'm figuring, you know, they, they should have just bring everybody back. But now you're still going to play electronically, only sitting in front of a bunch of people. Well, I think uh, they're, they kind of uh, listen to what the players have to say, and if there's a tremendous backlash, like there was on this, I think they uh, made some adjustments. So uh, we probably haven't seen the end of the changes before this year's event gets underway. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was a big uh, blog post by Daniel Negranu on his journal. 
uh, about tanking in tournaments. There was a big Twitter discussion uh, this week when one of the poker pros, Jordan Christos, uh, actually condemned the WPT for their structure change. Um, I don't know if it's a big change or not, but they are now, when they get to the final table, they go to one-hour levels. Now, I think that they're 90 minutes during the event, and then they bring it down to a quicker thing. Why would anyway, they do that? Well, this guy is like really a slow player from what, what uh, people say, that he's uh, widely considered by most in the poker community to have taken over the reins as the new king of tanking is the way... Uh, uh, Negreanu puts it, and um, you know a lot of players criticized his view and said, uh, "Listen, you know, uh, he's Christo said the poker is a game of patience, and I'm fine with making thousands while everyone else complains." And uh, basically, what people responded to him and said was, uh, um, "What who said was, I do call the clock on people occasionally because I respect the community in the game." He said, uh, you know, you're focusing, he says to Christos, that uh, you're focusing solely on what you think is best for you. And despite the community telling you you're being excessive with your tanking, you ignore their pleas to, to act more quickly. So uh, I guess just like in golf where you always have one or two guys that are really slow players and really damage the game in a lot of ways. It hurts this everybody the guy behind here. them. They're out of rhythm at that point. Right. And in, and in poker, it's the same thing. You get so frustrated that eventually you just want to move this thing along because you, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you feel like you're, you're, you're wasting your life there. And I understand. I, it's, to me, it's one of the worst things that's going on in poker. Right. We've spoken on this show before, Dave, about they've tried to propose bringing in a clock for people for all of this. And I would imagine it's strictly for people just like this. And... I can't imagine that you would give anybody more than X amount of time. And I think a simple solution would be once a clock's been called on somebody, everybody has five minutes. So if the clock's called on them and they use one minute every single time. Oh, time, a bank, uh, time right, like bank. a time bank. Right. And once that point has been used up, you no you longer have, have it. It's right. at the dealer's you discretion. Hand. You've got ten seconds to decide. Boom. You got to. We've got to come up with something to try to stop this. I agree with that 100. Uh, percent Negrano also says, I, "I said this 10 years ago. I'll say it again. The skill is getting to the final tables. Then, sure, you will be in a faster-paced structure when the money's on the line. But it's not like one-hour levels create a total crapshoot. There's still plenty of play, especially if you don't have players tanking for four to five minutes with every decision." Um, Christos, uh, you know, really took it on the chin from a lot of players who are really said they didn't appreciate the way he plays. Um, the other thing that Negrano brings up is that, you know, you have uh, the WPT shooting those final tables with TV crews, and when the the play drags on and on and on because of excessive tanking, they have to start paying overtime for their television people. It costs a lot of money to rent some of that equipment, and it could be a big problem, uh, you know, for the coverage of the game, which I'm sure Christos had no, either had no idea or doesn't care. Well, listen, one thing that I've always thought of doing, thinking of this from a managerial point of view and from a player's point of view, is, you know, if it becomes this detrimental to your product, don't allow that player to play in your tournament. Yeah. And I mean, you know, then, then he can't that. be making those little whipping remarks of I'm making thousands while everybody's worrying, you know, while everybody's complaining. No, 
listen, you know, this is something like Daniel says, you've got to think of the whole greater good. Nobody's telling you not to take your time and think of a decision. But, Dave, I'm telling you, there's nothing that's going to take you four to five minutes, even two minutes to think about 99.99% of the time in right. a poker decision. I, one of the ones that I think was great for poker decision, I don't know, it was in the main event. I don't know if it was at the final table. I don't believe it was the final table, but I think it was in the final two tables where that one guy thought forever on whether to make a call because he had a straight. The other guy, and, you know, it was a 4 or $5 million wager. You know, a lot of I think of you're talking about a Matt Giannetti, maybe? It might have been. I, I wish I could remember the two players' names. But it's a you know, brilliant move where one guy missed a bet earlier. Another guy finally catches his great card on the river makes a bet that just didn't make any sense to the other player. And the player thought about it because it was, you know, hey, four or five million dollars out of a ten million dollar stack laid into the main event. You gotta think about that. I we'll give you that one. But if you're making this same decision on day one, day two, day three, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It is. Like I said, there the instances for it, people will understand it and say, okay. But then there's you know, come on. It, it, it is ridiculous. Well, what, the interesting thing for me is that coming up uh, in about uh, 10 days, we're going to have the World Poker, uh, uh, the Global Poker Index uh, having their uh, their Masters Tournament, uh, Global Poker Masters, which is known as kind of the World Cup of High Lie, or High Lie, <laughs> World <laughs> Cup of Poker. Uh, eight countries represented in a competition, a round-robin competition for two days, it's being uh, contested in Malta, and they are going to have a 30-second shot clock. Good. So we'll see Good. how that works out. Yeah, even I'll tell you what, I just thought about it now. You know how they use that clock in chess when they're playing chess? <laughs> Maybe set that thing up, and you've got 30. The every time. timer. Listen, when it's your turn to time to start, you've got to click it. And when an hour's up, you're done from the tournament. So either you're making your decisions quickly or you're done from the damn tournament. Something's got to be done because that's true. That tanking is just brutal for poker. Brutal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll take a look at the Global Poker Masters a little later in the show. We'll also uh, hear from our very first show here on Poker Action Line. I'm curious to see what what, what segment you picked from our first well, show. Well, actually, I just uh, took it right from the top, which is uh, the first ten minutes of the show where we kind of explained what we were hoping to do with the show. Uh, we explained a little bit about our backgrounds and, and stuff, so uh, we'll have fun with it. Uh, but let's take this break on the program, our first break of the show tonight. You're listening to Poker Action Line. When we come back, we'll hear that segment uh, from the very first show and uh, share a few uh, reminiscences about uh, what has gone on over the past five years and what we've done. Uh, if we think we've accomplished anything, which I do think we have. <laughs> I know, it's been fun. We'll be right back after these messages right here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Live. Try the all-new Join Our Games social media poker from Atlantic West. Join Our Games offers all of the excitement of a live poker room without the risk of losing money because it's free. Atlantic West, provider of virtual games for 14 years, offers Join Our Games with the look and feel of a poker room played from the comfort of your home or almost anywhere using our mobile apps. With Reserve a Table, you can invite friends to join you in a private game or join a live game with other players online. That's joinourgamespoker.com where you'll enjoy poker the way it's meant to be. Sign up today.
Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday, Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because it usually meant... So we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. How do poker professionals get the skill to consistently win money? Well, it takes experience playing thousands and thousands of hands, and that could take years. But you could shorten that learning curve. Go online to AmericanSchoolOfPoker.com and learn how to play better poker right now for free. Free games monitored by a staff of poker pros offer you feedback on your decisions and let you know what you did wrong or right. Gain valuable experience while picking up important lessons to help you improve your game. That's AmericanSchoolOfPoker.com, where you learn as you play. Sign up today. Listen, the World Series is unlike any other event in poker. It's comparable to any other event in, in a major sport where the atmosphere is just hundreds of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people just who are love poker and love to be there and love to play and love the game and you're surrounded by it for six weeks now six weeks is tough is tough to do not everyone can travel there for six weeks not everyone can necessarily afford to be there for six weeks or want to be there for six weeks but i definitely encourage people to go there and experience what it's like it's hard to explain there's nothing like it it's so fun it's a room i watch people walk in the world series room all the time who have clearly never been there before, and they just stop at the entrance for about 30 seconds and just take a look at the room because they're so astonished at the enormity of the room. That is Chris Bolick, uh, who has uh, been one of those many people who have contributed to this program over five years. Uh, great Chris, young man, great yeah. young poker player. I don't think uh, he's had much success out uh, in California thus far. I, he was planning on going, so... Uh, I'm assuming he's out there playing, but I think he got knocked out. Well, hey, listen, he's doing quite well in his home state of Florida. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next week up there, they will be traveling uh, to the Sacramento area for uh, Rolling Thunder, and that will complete the California swing, and then they'll be headed back towards Florida again here with uh, Jacksonville and, of course, South Florida here at Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, that will be in mid, uh, mid-April. mid April 16th through the 22nd is the main event. Uh, of course, the World Series uh, just around the corner, May 27th through July 16th, 68 
bracelet events this year and coming it, up. Doesn't it feel, and I don't know, but it almost just seems like we just had the final table. It doesn't seem like that long ago, and it's, and it's actually no. been, you know, five months. It's funny you mention that because uh, Mike Sexton actually wrote a blog post on the Party Poker site uh, kind of condemning the November 9, thinks maybe it's run its course, uh, uh, not a great thing to wait four months. He don't think he doesn't think it's fair to the players really to uh, to have to wait that long to come back. It gives other players a chance to you know train and work on their games. Uh, he said it's a penalty for the people who have played the main event and and gr- grinded their way through and uh, maybe are in a little better mental and physical shape and able to handle that, and it lets these other players go back that maybe aren't so good at that and rest up and uh, get refreshed. But we haven't heard anybody... Let me tell you something. That was my belief the first year that they did this. I go, why would you want to do that? If I was was in a zone for those eight days and you're able to build up that chip lead or gather all those chips and play yourself all the way to that final table, you you feel like, hey, let's finish this damn thing. Let's, Let's get on with it. But obviously with the years now that this has been out there, I see the benefit, to use Daniel Negrano's words, maybe you look more for the betterment of the game. And I think the game benefits greatly from this time frame because of the publicity that it generates. And yes, you they know probably what? haven't taken as much advantage of that as they should. And I agree with you with that. I think they should have a lot stronger marketing approach to, to that November 9. It's stronger in the poker world, but outside of our world of poker, you don't really hear about it. And I believe they've missed an opportunity to do that. And, you know, yes, you can train, but the opportunity is there for everybody. So we've had guests on the, in the past how they've explained to us how they've prepared. In John Raisner's case that we had him on the show right. when he was a November Diner preparing for this. You know, everybody goes about it their own way. I mean, unfortunately, this year we saw, uh, <laughs> you know, the Mark Newhouse say he didn't do anything, and <laughs> I don't know if that came back to bite him you in reap, the ass you, or not. You, you reap where it's you sow. But, you know, listen, everybody has the same opportunity now. And guess what? That is a mental grind. And maybe just having those four months off. And guess what? Why not enjoy the celebrity status that you attain once you make that November 9? And I'm sure there's got to be some financial benefits to, in those four months for you. Well, I think uh, my, you know, my people might uh, criticize him and say, hey, listen, you're a WPT guy. Of course, you're going to run it down. But he, he said that's obviously not the case. He's been a supporter of the WSOP from the very beginning. Uh, he's played in it for 30-some years. And uh, he just thinks maybe uh, one or one or two days in between uh, that run up to the final table and then the final table beginning is plenty. And then plenty uh, rest. It keeps the uh, you know it keeps the focus on the game as it's played instead. Although the problem is that the average poker person is not going to see much of the action anyway for the next few months until it comes on television. So why not have that perfect build-up that that ESPN does? Which is what they're trying to do, yeah. You understand? No, I agree. And again, they they should do this, you know, taking from what American Idol does once they have their finalists and you have the champion, you know, they tour, they sing. Well, why not bring these guys in, use them as a a charity? It's almost like they're having X amount of final tables leading up to this. 
while you're kind of exposing them to the whole country, to different poker rooms, you know, run a tournament where these nine guys play, but the winning goes to charities. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about marketing this where you're getting so much uh, positive publicity and promoting promoting the game to where not just the poker fa- you know uh viewers want to see that final nine you know you tr- now you're enticing a large percentage of let's quote non-traditional poker people watching I, th- I think the main problem I have with the November 9 is they usually start in the evening and it's going overnight and it goes on and on and on most of the time when most people in the country are sleeping because they got to go to work the next day. Well, they they should actually change that to probably a Saturday afternoon, but the yeah. problem the problem is then scheduling that in November you're up against college football. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you you know, you, you you're not going to want to compete against <laughs> against college football for the most part. No easy answers like no, we always no, say. No, there is no easy answers, that's right. Uh Mike McLean is taking over the chip lead out in uh the Bay Area. 610,000. David uh, Misikowski is in third, and I'm not even going to try the third guy's name. Uh, Mark Duby has dropped to fourth place. Brian Rast is in fifth. But they continue out there. It looks like, let's see how many players, if I could give you that. Uh, still down in the 90s. Uh, 96. We went from not only, only three players, three players in the time we've been on the show here. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about a few other things uh, as we move on to the show. But I did want to kind of take a look back. Five years ago, we started the program uh, on the station in Pompano Beach. And uh, Joe and I would travel up on Sunday mornings, do the show from 9 in the morning till 10 a.m. Uh, I think we followed the gardening show and maybe the golf show. <laughs> uh, I the only thing I the only thing that was good about that there was no damn traffic on the road for me to drive. Yeah, no there. no traffic. Uh, we did we did an hour and uh, uh, we enjoyed it. I I don't remember how long we did the Sunday morning. Maybe about six months or so. And then we went to something like that. Yeah, right around the start of football season is I think when we moved up to the Monday night game. I, I think we figured the people driving to church probably would be flipping it off right away, <laughs> and uh, you know certainly not the audience we were looking for there. So we we found a spot on Monday nights at eleven thirty, which made or, it a lot easier to get guests too. Also. Yeah, exactly. Poker players a little more nocturnal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, of course, the three-hour time difference with Vegas and California, we could uh, get a reasonable sh- uh, guest on. Uh, so we went to uh, an hour and a half, and it was uh, 11.30 to 1? No, it was a little earlier than that, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was 11, 11 to 12.30. Uh, excuse me, it. 11 to 12.30. Except. Exactly. <laughs> we followed, they also carried New York Yankees baseball, uh, which Joe is a big Yankee fan, and Gio and Joe. And uh, uh, in those days, uh, you know, we start on time, I would say, the majority of the time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes maybe a half hour late or something. Occasionally, there would be an extra inning game, and we would come on at 1, 1.30 oh, in the morning. And the worst was when they were playing Seattle or L.A. on a Monday night, which luckily, you know, that's the first thing I checked in the schedule of <laughs> the, 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 the year, the two years that we did that up there with them. And, uh, yeah, when they went into extra innings, because uh, we had to wait until the uh, post-game wrap-up was done. You know, we couldn't just come on just when the game was over. It was a good 45 to 50 right. minutes 
once the game was done for us to get on the air. But we were locked into the time frame, uh, an hour and a half, which was really no different from the hour show that we did at the previous time. No. Uh, you know, we could do we could do four if we had to, uh, yeah, I, if the pay was high enough. <laughs> but uh, we did 90 minutes for quite some time. But it was rigid uh, as far as, you know, if there was the Yankees were, were done, uh, you know, we started at 11 o'clock and, and we were done at 1230. So, uh, you know, we were on there for 19 months and we came down here to join Joe Castello and Gio uh, on the program down here in... Uh, Pembroke Pines area, and we basically do uh, an hour show now that uh, usually runs about 70 minutes, I guess. <laughs> Depends. I like having the freedom to uh, talk about... You've heard of the Baker's Dozen. This is the uh, Poker Action Yeah, I try to keep it to short enough. You know, I always... Uh, I'm kind of behind the times technology-wise, but I always thought if I make it more than 80 minutes, then you can't get it on one CD if you want to... Of the show, of course, nobody uses CDs I, anymore, and people we, put it on a, on a flash drive and uh, or however they do it, uh, download it right from the the internet. I don't think we've done more than maybe two, if if not maybe three shows that have gone over an, an I hour try and not twenty to do minutes that. since we've, we've had, had a couple. Joe Usually, when you're gone, and we do longer shows. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you that you waited until I'm gone. Thank you that you. <laughs> I always know you're ready to leave, but. Uh, Anyway, we uh, started in uh, March of 2010, and uh, I know for some people this might be a little bit boring because uh, it's kind of part of our lives, but if you listen to the show regularly, maybe you wondered how uh, it started out. So uh, let's run the very first program, the first 10 minutes, uh, where we kind of explain what our goals for are for the show and a little bit about ourselves. And this is how uh, Poker Action Line got its humble beginnings. Big Dave Lemon here along with Joe Rodriguez. Poker Action Line is the name of the show, and I think uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this show. Uh, I'll bring you in in just a second to kind of give a little bit of a background on how you got into the poker scene. But poker is huge here in this country, and especially here in South Florida with all the paramutuals have poker rooms, and everybody's playing uh, 12 hours a day around the state and having a great time with it. People are playing online and it's become one of the great pastimes in this world now over the last few years, brought on mainly by the popularity, I think, of some of the TV programs that have been on the air on the Travel Channel and on ESPN, on the World Series of Poker. But things have really exploded over the past few years, and we thought it was time to explore a little bit of a niche, and that is to talk about poker on the air. It sounds like kind of a funny idea, I guess, having a poker radio show, but I don't think a few years ago we ever thought that poker would be on TV either. So. Uh, now both have uh, come on the scene, and I think people are really starting to enjoy it and are looking for a place not only to get their game in shape, to get to a little better at playing poker, but to learn a little bit more about the people that surround them, to find out where they want to play uh, and have a good time. And, and that's what we plan to do on this program. We're going to have guests. We're going to have people from the world of poker. We're going to talk about big tournaments that are coming up and where to play. But Let's get into things right now. Uh, my partner, Joe Rodriguez, is really the expert on this program. He's been involved in poker for pretty much his, his entire life. I wouldn't call myself an expert, just to give a little background. Uh, my background is in high lie, and that's how I kind of got involved in poker. But I did play in high school and in college and learned how to play. But it seemed like every time I played those games, there was a strict limit on the, on the bets and uh, what the pots would be. And that's the way things started here in South Florida uh, when it was legal 
illegal to have a poker room here, and uh, it really wasn't much of a poker game when we first started. Joe, uh, tell me a little bit about your background in the game. You started as a kid. I can see you on the uh, on the playground uh, taking money from your lunch money from your friends in first grade. Well, Dave, uh, yeah, I did start very young. I was playing uh, penny poker uh, with my cousins and uncles when I was a young boy. Uh, this was obviously well before the explosion of the Internet and online poker and the uh, popularity that this sport, you know, has now taken on. And uh, just grew from there. You know, I, like I said, played with my friends, cousins, and like I said, back then it was just penny poker. Uh, later on in my life, as I decided that I wanted to make this a career, I went to uh, New York School of Gambling, became a dealer, and uh, was lucky enough and privileged enough to be dealing poker here in the state of Florida on the first night that they ever had that quarter 50 cent game, which seems like so long ago. That was at the Mikasuki uh, Yes, yeah, so Mikasuki opened that up in uh, April of 92, and I was uh, one of the first dealers. We had 12 uh, dealers opened up that game that night. We started at 6 in the evening, and uh, so I'm proud to say that I am one of the first people to deal poker in this state. So you've really been on both sides of the fence. You've been uh, a dealer. You've been a manager. You were a poker room manager at Miami Highlight for many years. You kind of brought that room in and uh, expanded it, and now it's come to a pretty solid room with a, with a really a beautiful venue down there at Miami Highline. Yes, it is, and like I said, my turn took uh, for the management side in 92. Besides being a dealer back then, I worked also for the Seminoles as a supervisor. I've been uh, trained over 300 people in my lifetime to be dealers. So, yeah, I've been on both sides of the fence now, and uh, it's, it's a very unique view to watch it from both the player and management side. Well, the poker rooms have been around here in South Florida at the Indians for, I guess, maybe close to 20 years now. Uh, af after that, uh, the games came into the Paramutuals, and let's look back at that early beginning. It really wasn't much of a poker game when we first started here in Florida. No, sir. Uh, well, like I said, the, the first games that were dealt here were in 92 in the Indians. I believe the Seminoles started in 94, right around April, also two years later. The Paramutuals took this thing over in uh, 97 when the legislature allowed them to you know, start doing what they called the Penny Annie poker games. It was a quarter, 50 cents, as most people in this state know, uh, with a $10 pot limit. And uh, to be honest with you, it was kind of brutal poker for, <laughs> for anybody who actually played poker. It's very brutal to play that type of game. I can, I can remember very early on that uh, when people would talk about it, they'd say, uh, wow, I had, I had four of a kind I couldn't even raise. No, once the pot, sometimes the pot would be capped by Third Street, and back then the popular game, the game of choice, was seven-card stud instead of hold'em. So sometimes with the raises that were involved, you couldn't bet anymore after you saw your first three or four cards, and it was just the dealer would just start turning cards over and then say, you won, and push the pot to them. So When I was a younger man playing in college, I mean, we always played uh, five-card draw. We played uh, seven-card stud. When did Texas Hold'em really take over? Well, Texas Hold'em has been around for quite a while, but the explosion of Texas Hold'em took over probably with the World Series of Poker, which has always had the Texas Hold'em. But uh, I would probably say when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker... 2003, I 2003, guess. 2003, yes. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, the explosion really took then. That was also due to the fact that the uh, Internet... Uh, was having a lot of satellite tournaments, so it allowed a lot of people to come in. It's a $10,000-plus buy-in. So 
like I said, the explosion took place back in 2003, and and No Limit Hold'em, you know, hasn't looked back since. I think uh, obviously the Chris Moneymaker year was the year it really took off. That brought in a lot of players. People they're calling now the moneymaker boomers, which are a lot of young kids that started watching on TV and started playing then, and now have come to the point where they're in their early 20s and they're becoming uh, strong professionals. Well, right. Well, moneymaker made it possible for the average person to believe that they could win that poker tournament. He's just uh, an accountant that played on the side and all of a sudden played online and got in a big tournament and got some cards. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he won a $33 satellite for $33. He wound up picking up uh, millions of dollars. So it's the American dream, so to speak, Dave. So, you know, in the poker world, that's what people want. You know, you, you, know, you, you want to think that you can buy that lucky lottery ticket and that's what it is. And obviously with all the different shows and places that you can go now to try to hone your skills, one of the great things about the Internet, playing on the Internet poker now, is that you're able to play hundreds of more hands than anybody could. These young men at 20-something years old uh, are playing, have more experience than I do sometimes in 30, 30 years of playing poker because of the amount of hands that they can play online. I mean, it's it's been so beneficial to good poker players that have a little personality, have really turned into superstars. I mean, they, they have make appearances... They have autograph signings, and who would have thought years ago that uh, they would do anything? I mean, who, who would have thought that uh, Vince Van Patten was going to have another career? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that not, well, we no, maybe nobody else saw that but the poker world. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a phenomenal thing, and um, the, the young people now are also playing up to the TV, obviously, with ESPN showing this and the Travel Channel. You know, you're starting to get characters in poker. Whether it's good or bad, it's still to be determined. But uh, you know, they that they're playing up to the cameras and uh, getting sponsorships through a bunch of different things. So, anything that's going to help poker grow, I'm 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 kind of all for it. The name of the show, Poker Action Line, will come to you every Sunday morning, nine to ten a.m. right here on six forty Sports, and. Uh we will have plenty of guests on the show. We're going to talk to the stars of the sport. We're going to try to get some big national guests on. Uh, we're going to talk to people about where they can play. Uh, today we do have a couple of guests. We're going to have uh, uh, Shelly Gorin, who is the CEO of uh, Gilda's Club in South Florida. They have a big charity tournament coming up at the Isle Casino later this month. We're going to talk with Shelly about that. Also, a big tournament that was just completed yesterday, a 50000 guaranteed tournament at Dania Highlight. We're going to talk to Lou Burdellens of Dania Highlight a little bit later in the show and see how that turned out. Uh, we're going to talk about the Florida Million, which is just a great tournament that's uh, been put together by six of the dog tracks around Florida. And uh, you have a chance to qualify for a big event that's going to be in April at Derby Lane in St. Petersburg. Chance to win uh, probably about $800,000 in prize money. It's going to be, uh, they guaranteed 500000 but they're only halfway through the qualifying events, and they've already got uh, 606000 in the prize pool. So that's going to be a tremendous event, and there's still time to get in that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later today. Hopefully we'll have some guests from uh, that tournament on next week. But, uh, you know, as we move into uh, the show today, uh, we kind of talking about the background of poker. We will take calls in future shows. I don't know how many we'll get to today. Uh, people are just probably stumbling upon the show. But I think people are looking for a chance, Joe, to get better, get a, just get a couple of tips. It's not like we're going to run a school here on the program or anything, but we're going to teach people 
you know, uh, ways they can improve their game, and basically where they can play around town. Because people know these uh, poker rooms, and you may have your favorite, but uh, if you find a big event that you have a chance to go to, you want to find out about that, and we can get supply some of that. Yeah, we're hoping to obviously get all the information from all the local poker rooms as to what type of tournaments and events they'll be having on there. And, yeah, we're hoping to take this show in the direction where people can, would love to tune in here to, first of all, listen to the guests that we have and, and hear what they have to say, plus hopefully get some tips on how to play certain hands and, and, and for strategies. There's a, obviously different amount of strategies out there, and depending on where you stand and where you are in your, in your game plan right now is how you'll be able to attack that. Okay, I think we're gonna we're moving up on our first break here on the program. We're gonna come back with Shelly Gorin of the Gildas Club of South Florida, Dave Lemon, along with Joe Rodriguez. Our first show here, Poker Action Line, and we'll be back right after these messages. And that's how we started. Uh, here we are, five years later, uh, and we've we really fulfilled our goal of bringing people great guests. Uh, that's obviously been uh, the me, best part of the show. It really has, Dave. And let me tell you, I don't think I've ever listened to our first 10 minutes. As I've mentioned before on the show, I hate hearing my voice on the radio, but we actually covered a lot of nice stuff there yeah. in that first 10 minutes of our of our inaugural show. That was very nice. Yeah, we had uh, we, one of the things I've always wanted to do, and we've done that, and that is promote uh, charity events. Uh, and uh, really, and, we, and we started off with our first guest. First guest was a charity uh, host, uh, but we are keeping an eye on some of that stuff and promoting that as we go along. Uh, who's your favorite uh, guest of all time? Would you say on the program? <sighs> okay, I mean, we've Man, had, it, it just, is, just to let it, people know, we've had we've had World Series close. of Poker main event champions like uh, Jerry Yang listen, and, and Jimmy yes. Gold. We listen, Will Faella, who's been on the show many times, very colorful to say the very least about Will has been a great guest, okay? Um, I think our greatest interviews, to be honest with you, have been... Uh, that first Jason Mercier show was just incredible Yeah, i got to go to back me. and try to find that one. That, that one was, was one. just... Let me tell you, you could tell the young man was a little nervous at first, but once he opened up and told us about how he got to where he got to, the almost life... You know, it was a life changing moment during the day and it was almost a life ending moment at night in celebration right. and the way he went about it uh just adding to jason's you know legend here was you meet having the pleasure of meeting his parents not too long ago and telling us how you were so excited to meet them and how you know what a great bunch of folks they are and you know probably explains why jason is so down to earth but Interview for interview, my guess would my my choice would have to be Nolan Dollar. Yeah, I think this, we've probably That's done about four interviews with Nolan. Uh, been some of the great shows we've had. The top players from South Florida. Obviously, we had a focus on South Florida when we started. Yes, being on a local station here, we had the four Ms. Rocky brothers in the studio. That uh, was a very interesting time. evening. That also, I had to night. go and pick them up <laughs> and uh, have them follow me to the studio. Exactly. Uh, Michael and Robert and also, uh, of course, Donnie and uh, Eric as well. Uh, had them all in the studio at the same time and uh, worked them in. Uh, we've had some of the great women players in the game. Uh, well, game friends with Abby Daniels, uh, Marsha Wolak. Uh, we've had Vanessa Selbst and Annie Dukan. Well, listen, if, if I'm going to rate this as, as a gold, silver, and bronze... You know, the gold is going to go to Nolan just because of the, the, the body of work, interview-wise, Jason. But 
you know, I really can't say too much far behind that is Linda Johnson and yeah, um, Jan Fisher. And Jan Fisher, they've given us some great interviews a couple of times. They've, those ladies have been absolutely wonderful on the show. I've enjoyed every moment that we've had them on, just listening to them while you're interviewing them. It, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've had several guests on many times, several times. So Bernard Lee has I've, been yeah, on. He was going to be my honorable mention. Jason has been on several times. Matt Waxman a couple of times. Uh, uh, Noah Schwartz has been on with us two, three times, and a lot of short interviews that I've done out at venues that we carried on the show as well. But uh, some of the stars of the game, some of the old timers, have been great, like T.J. Cloutier. Yes, he was uh, great. Tom McAvoy was awesome on the show. Uh, we've had Matt Glantz on several times. I love Jerry Yang when he was on the show also, Jerry by the Yang way. Jerry was great. Uh, Jamie Gold was very interesting. Jamie Gold was on, I think, either the week before or the week after. Yeah, I think and, the and we had him back-to-back -back weeks there yeah. where we had main event winners there. But uh, that was great. I'll tell you, and I, you know, maybe your memory works better than mine's here, Dave, but we went through a short period of time when I believe Steve Karp was helping our show right. with a lot of great young guests. Mm -hmm. And... We did get a lot of young, great guests, uh, you know. Up-and-coming players. Up-and-coming players who... Now have a name for themselves. Some of them didn't at that time. Yeah, and not only that, but, you know, besides being great poker players, they had a lot of things going on in their lives that that made that show and that interview very, very interesting. You know, some of it wasn't as positive as, as we would have liked it. It turned out to be positive, but, you know, going through certain issues and... I love the way those young people kind of opened up to us and opened up to our audience and, and how they, you know, led us into that part of their lives. Yeah, some of those guys, uh, Kurt Jewell, uh, Amanda, Aaron Massey. I remember Amanda. Amanda Musumeci. And, and the guy that was. Uh, uh, yeah, Ryan Eriquez. That's, that's. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think mean, the couple of shows we did with Ryan, I think, were some of our best shows. They really well. were. You know, we you know they, we, we got into a lot more than just poker, these, these young people poker players opened up their lives to us and I wasn't expecting that to be honest with you yeah. when we started That was a real good night. human interest story because of the problems that Ryan had at the tables and uh you know had some uh, drug and alcohol problems and uh, some behavioral problems that uh you know really brought him into sp the spotlight for the wrong reasons and gave him a chance to kind of uh explain what his thoughts were when he got into trouble and how he got out of it and then his relationship with Amanda at the time uh, was very interesting as well. So uh, it's, it's really enriched my life, this program, I would say. Uh, let me tell you, well, since we're reminiscing here, uh, also having Tuba on the show was very great. Tuba Erjan, okay. the Royal Flesh Girl. You know, I mean, th th there's been so many positives, and uh, I, I, d do you think we should even mention? <laughs> well, the worst. <laughs> the, yeah. worst the worst uh, of, of that for if, me. If anybody's wondering out there who the worst interview we've ever had was, uh, it's hands down was uh, Todd Brunson. Yeah, boy, I'm telling you, <laughs> you, you talk about that same pulling teeth, boy, this poor man, I, I, you, you'd have thought we were sticking bamboo shoots under his finger. Yeah, he was doing it, a lot for a, yeah, I don't know what his deal was, but uh, he, he couldn't wait to get off the air, and, yeah, I, and I'll be honest bad. with you, I couldn't wait to get him off the air, because, you know, you could tell he just wasn't having a good time, and and I think I tried to salvage it. I think one of my uh, drawbacks as an interviewer is to go way too long, uh, wanting to 
you get the answers to pretty much every issue and every question. But that you actually, has to this offer. guy, you actually cut him. I mean, this guy was just leaving no windows open <laughs> to let any fresh air in. So, and of course, we've had on uh, some of the big uh, people behind the scenes, uh, jobs that you've done, uh, running a poker room, running, a, being a tournament director. You know, Matt Savage and and uh, you know Bill Mason from uh, the Hard Rock and. And local people. Oh, we've had Mike Smith, Mike Smith, who ran the most successful guest. room in Florida, and now might be running the most successful room in the country. Yeah, exactly. At Maryland Live, let's also give a lot of credit to us also having uh, the the man who runs uh, the the Poker Players Association, the PPA, John Pappas. There you go. You know, we've tried to be and Rich Muni, who works very closely with him, the engineer, has been on the show. We also listen. We also can't forget to thank. And I and I mean this deeply from my heart, uh, Randy Casper. Randy Casper was a huge I part mean, of the program I, for quite some time. I, Randy from I PPI, having Poker Randy Players on the show. He the the one show that I mentioned at the beginning of of this show that you missed. Randy was a guest for a good half hour, forty minutes with me that night, and I don't think I would have been able to get through it as well as as I think I did that night without Randy. Supplied us with great guests. At that time, and uh, I think it's someone that I really enjoyed talking that's to. One of the people week. that we drove away from the show somehow. We've, we we probably <laughs> leaned on him too much, but it's just he was such a nice guy, such a nice gentleman, so great in getting guests for us. And um, like I said, every time you and I spoke with him, you know, it, it almost seemed like we had a ten fifteen minute Randy Casper segment at the end of our show for quite a few months and everything. Yeah, actually, we did we I, did a regular segment every show. And I really enjoyed listening to the insights. Learned so much from Randy. Uh, I, I, I forgive me for not including him in my list, but yeah, he's definitely well, in the top three. What I what, three. I what I would say about Randy was he was involved with a lot of promotions with Full Tilt Poker, and when uh, Black Friday came, it was kind of uh, yeah, it hurt, and it ended hurt. his uh, segments but, on the show. But, but I but will mention this to you, Dave. When I needed him to help me out outside of the radio show. And the few times that I needed to call him, Randy was there every single time. Like I said, he was a hell of a gentleman to talk to, great guest, uh, provided us with great guests, and um, I really had a great time with him. And we also can't forget about Brian Olton and Sandy Schwartzbaugh from PPC Poker. Yes, I definitely can't uh, forget that. They, <laughs> I'm working with these, well, these they, great guys. Well, they basically kind of started right around the time where we started the program, and we grew with them uh, they have now developed into a very uh, important poker tour around the country, uh, mainly in Florida, but uh, and it's you know, getting all over bigger the and bigger every year. They're currently playing up at Running a- Running Aces up in Minnesota, and they'll be coming back. Uh, you have a tournament you're traveling to at Ocala coming up later this month. So. Yes, because why not? Let's let's. I don't know if we've done this on the show, but let's give congratulations out there to Sandy and the misses for their son Luke, who oh, was sure. born. Um, as a matter of fact, about eight or nine days ago, ago yeah. Monday of la- last week's Monday. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's absolutely everything's wonderful. fine. I haven't talked to them since then. Yes, I, you know, mom and dad and baby are all doing just fine. Great, so. terrific. Congratulations to them. But uh, they too have been a big part of the show. Uh, you know, we've we've obviously helped them out with uh, promoting uh, some of their events which we're very happy to do, but they have also given us back uh, plenty in return. And, and Dave, we'd be remiss in not mentioning um, 
the charities that you know we've had with uh, you know the the young man that died in the plane crash and uh, yeah Tyler McClellan Foundation that's also coming up later this month Kevin McClellan uh, has been with us many times as we've helped out that uh, tournament as well unfortunately uh, I'm not going to be able to make their tournament for the second year in a row so I'm pretty much figure he's not too thrilled with me but But I'm certainly going to offer him a shot on the show you've done everything we can on the show for them and we've always been big supporters and trying to push the word out there for people to join because you know his son was an incredible young man okay well that's enough reminiscing for now back to the present day big dave lemon here concluding this uh show this fifth anniversary review show and uh my thanks over the years to uh my partner joe rodriguez my radio partner for a full 10 years here on the program also for the last eight years our producer Gio ochoa we want to thank him as well and the host in the studio of Pembroke Pines, uh, Joe Castello, who occasionally joins us on the air and always offers us some great insight into the work we are doing. And uh, podcasts, he's the father of drag racing podcasts, so certainly knows plenty about that. But uh, we will be back next week, God willing, with a 10th anniversary show. It is not going to be an elaborate uh, rundown of all the things we've done but i would like to play a couple of interviews in that from our early years and talk about some things also there needs to be a serious discussion about how the coronavirus is affecting the world of poker and uh, we'll talk about some of the things that have been canceled already what the future might hold including the world series of poker and uh, some interesting uh, insights into what you might need to do to protect yourself at the tables and uh, who to avoid, where to avoid, and uh, the best way to go about being healthy here in 2020. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back next week with Joe with another edition of Poker Action On. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 